my name's Anna. It's uh, really a joy to be able to speak to you this morning. I'm married to Sai. I'm on the leadership team here. And this morning, I'm carrying on the series of Disciples of Jesus. And I'm looking at Disciples of Jesus are filled with his spirit. Um, so uh, I'm going to read from this book here. And it says this, a disciple is one who embraces and obeys all the teachings of Christ and endeavours by word and deed to make more disciples. A convert is one who practices a religion into which he or she was not born and may or may not encourage others to convert. And here we want to build disciples of Jesus. So if you're newly saved, you're at the start of your journey with Jesus, and that's really exciting. One of the things Jesus clearly commands us to do as his disciples is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost, he's not a poltergeist, and he's not a little addition to God the Father and Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. He is the third member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He has all the attributes of God, and despite how he is often presented, he is actually equal to all the other members of the Godhead. He has equal power, equal glory, and equal honor. He has always been, is now, and will always be. He's the great I am, and was there at creation, and he will be there in heaven. He didn't just appear and become relevant when Jesus came to earth. We actually read about the Spirit of God falling upon people and the Spirit of God being spoken of and written about all through the Old Testament. We read of the Holy Spirit filling and falling upon Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, and falling upon Mary and John the Baptist prior to Jesus' ministry. And Jesus himself talks about and explains the working of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, we read about how Jesus is clear that the Holy Spirit is a real, living person who we can know in the same way as we know the Father and the Son. You know, the Godhead is the Trinity, is a real mystery, isn't it? We can't fully understand it. We know three persons, all equal, one God. But beyond that, we try and get our heads around it. Actually, I would question if we could fully understand God completely, then actually he wouldn't be a very good or capable God if our small minds could completely get around that. It is a mystery, but it's one that is clear in Scripture and it is actually a central tenet of Christianity. Most cults actually arise out of not understanding those important principles of the Trinity. Three persons all equal, one God. In the Old Testament, as I said um, before, the Holy Spirit came upon people and they were able to perform certain ministries or tasks like they would prophesy or when you read about when they were building the ark, which was like the box that they kept God's commandments in, he gave people ability to be really good at carpentry and really good at metalwork and whatever you call making curtains, seamstress. But Jesus makes it really clear to us in passages such as Matthew 7 and Luke 11 that being full of the Holy Spirit is indispensable for New Testament Christian living. It's, he compares it actually to eating and drinking. It's that important. 
Beth Moore, a Christian writer that many of the women in this church are doing one of her Bible studies at the moment, says the Holy Spirit is key to everything in a believer's life. Another theologian, Oswald Saunders, says that being filled with the Holy Spirit is the indispensable minimum for a full Christian life. And in Luke 11, Jesus tells us that one of the greatest gifts that God the Father gives his children is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples in John 14, he's telling them, he told them lots of times that they didn't need to be afraid that he was going to die and then he was going to go away, talking about his ascension to heaven. But he said, don't be afraid because I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be in those who love Jesus forever. Now, if you've got your Bible on you or you're sitting near someone who's got their Bible, would it be all right to turn to John 14? And we're going to look at verse 17 together. I think it's behind me as well. Sorry, I really, I need to get my eyes test. I can't read that. I think it's on there. Not sure. Um, So it says, this is Jesus talking. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now he's talking to the disciples and he says, You disciples know him, for he dwells with you and will soon be in you. Do you see the difference there? That Jesus was saying the Holy Spirit was dwelling with them while they were here on earth, but soon the Holy Spirit would be in them. Jesus commanded his disciples before he ascended up to heaven that they were to baptise believers in the Holy Spirit and told them, you've got to wait for the helper. You've got to wait for this Holy Spirit who I've talked to you about, who will clothe them in power. Really sadly, some Christians today believe that those first disciples or the first apostles are the only people that were filled with the Holy Spirit, that had this baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we can see in Acts that clearly the early church really took Jesus' promise to be for all disciples and for all of those who followed Jesus, not just the first disciples. In Acts 8, you read this brilliant story where Peter and John visited a Samaritan church, a group of believers. Now, Samaritans were non-Jewish people. Peter and John and all the disciples were Jewish. And so they went to visit this church and they found out that these people had been baptised in water, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. So they laid their hands on them and prayed for them to be filled or baptised in the Holy Spirit. And I suspect much to their amazement, Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, were baptised in the Holy Spirit. And we read again about the Holy Spirit falling on all believers. We read that in Acts 10 and 11. If you're a new believer or you're still really sceptical about things of the Spirit, could I really recommend to you reading John's Gospel? It's a really helpful Gospel with regards to the Holy Spirit because it equips us with lots of information about the Holy Spirit. So with this in mind, having talked about how we are told to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how and when can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Does it have to be in a special place at a special time, at a certain point? Have you missed it in your journey with Jesus and you can't go back, you're stuck? 
Um, I've got encouraging news, that's not true. In Ephesians 1, we're told really clearly that when we become believers, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, like a mark that we're saved, and that the Holy Spirit will remain in us forever. We're told in 1 Corinthians that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that God himself dwells inside of us. Jesus reminded his disciples in Acts 1, before he went up to heaven, that whilst John the Baptist had baptised people in water, the baptism where people are put under the water and back out again, he said, but you, the disciples, will be baptised, and baptised literally just means to dunk or immerse in, in something. He said, you're going to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, at Pentecost, we read that they were And then throughout Acts, we see the disciples continuing that with all new believers. So how are we baptised in the Spirit? And how are we continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, do you want to have a look at Luke 11, verses 11 to 13? That is behind me. That's much bigger writing. Thanks, Phil. I can read that one. So it says this. What father among you, this is Jesus talking, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are. Once we know Jesus as our saviour, we ask God, fill up me with the Holy Spirit and he fills us. You know, one of our delightful children went through a period of about a year where, when they were between, I think, two and three. It's all really blank, but really blurred timings. We have four children. None of them did the sleeping thing bar one. And everybody would say things like, have you tried a routine? And we'd think, I want to punch you in the face so much right now. (laughs) Of course I've tried a routine. I've done everything. I would drug them if I could. But um, we had this little annoying one, um, was run along the corridor at about five or six in the morning, and I would wake up every morning for, I think it's about a year, may not have been a year, but it felt like a year, um, screaming this close in your face, hot chocolates, and that's how we woke up for a year of our life. If you uh, think having children is a joy, it really is. Apparently, the memory fades, but I'm still waiting for that. It hasn't happened yet. And that you think, you know, I didn't want to get up and make my child hot chocolate. I actually wanted to put him in a, like, cage that had soundproofing on it and leave him in it. But actually, every morning I got up, or Sai got up, depending on who was least grumpy, and we would um, make him hot chocolate every morning. And I didn't even want to do it. And I did it every morning, because every morning that's what he asked for. Actually, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. When we ask God, our Heavenly Father who loves us, He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to twist his arm or persuade him. Actually, once you know and love Jesus, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. You know, some people at conversion, when they're first saved, they're baptised in the Holy Spirit straight away. But God seems to leave it for others to ask as our God, as our Heavenly Father, to baptise us in the Holy Spirit. 
I was baptised for the first time in the Holy Spirit when I was 12. I remember it very clearly. I'd been a believer since I was a little girl, but I'd I hadn't really been taught anything about the Holy Spirit apart from that he was part of the Trinity and also my dad would cry whenever he talked about the Holy Spirit but he cried quite a lot so it was hard to know really if it was significant or not. Um, he's probably listening, sorry dad. Um, so, and he, I just heard about some people talking about the Holy Spirit that you could be baptised in the Holy Spirit that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit that he would give you power and enable you to live a Christian life and as soon as I heard people talking I thought, I need that in my life. If I'm going to survive the teenage years, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was filled with the baptised in the Holy Spirit. And actually, for me, being baptised in the Holy Spirit was so significant because some of the things that the Spirit revealed to me during my baptism in the Holy Spirit still shape many of the choices and decisions and actions that I make now as an adult. So... Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why couldn't we just be sealed with the Holy Spirit? It's okay, you're saved, and then leave it and not do anything else. Well, Paul, in Ephesians 5, he writes to the church there, and he tells them to be imitators of Christ, which is essentially the aim of discipleship, isn't it? It's to become more and more like Jesus. He tells them to walk in love and to walk as children of the light. So we're going to read from Ephesians 5, um, verse 50, from verse 15 onwards. It says this, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, and I think we can all agree some really regrettable behaviour, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The key to walking as children of the light, to being followers and disciples of Jesus, we're told here, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. You can't. You will not succeed. You will fail again and again. Actually, the phrase where Jesus says, where um, Paul says, keep to be filled with the Holy Spirit, some very clever people who can read Greek, which I cannot, to actually says that it's written in the present imperative tense, which apparently means keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not supposed to be a one-off event. Um, it's not like it's an entirely new baptism every time we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but actually we are to keep on being asked to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, to stir up and fan into flame the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. When was the last time you asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go from our lives. He lives in us and will forever. He doesn't leave you. And I just really felt as I was preparing this, there's, there's people here who actually you um, have lost, you don't really believe that. I think you suffer with quite serious um, mental health conditions. And I think in your heart you think, actually the Holy Spirit leaves me 
when I'm in the depths of depression, he's not with me because I don't like the person that I am then, so there's no way that God would dwell with me or live inside of me during that time. But actually, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, irrespective of how you feel, irrespective of your health, irrespective of how you think about yourself. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He does not leave you. He lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is key to everything because he's the one that empowers us to live for Christ. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot. We just don't have enough. That's why when we come to Jesus, he says the only way to Jesus is through to God, is through him. He doesn't say, come through me and take all of yourself with me and don't worry about laying down your life and what you want. You know, just, 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 uh, you know, you just take hold of me a little bit and we'll see where we go. No, he says, we lay down our life and our will and what we want and we surrender it completely to Jesus. And he gives us the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live a life that pleases him. Beth Moore says that the two vital keys to a victorious Christian life are to one, have an ongoing, vibrant relationship with God through his word, and secondly, the key of how to be filled with the power and life of the Holy Spirit. The amazing thing is that we can either quench or grieve the Holy Spirit, or we can keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We can work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, or we can quench his work. The Spirit of God, who we're told in 1 Corinthians 2, searches the very depths of God and knows the very thoughts of God. We have the amazing, mind-blowing wonder of being filled with this same Holy Spirit, the person who searches the depths of God such is us, and he transforms us into the image of Jesus. You know, in every believer, there is a battle going on. It's between our flesh, which in the New Testament, when it talks about your flesh, it's not talking about your flesh, it's talking about your sinful nature, and the Spirit of God who, dwell, who lives inside of us. There's a battle going on all the time. And, you know, as we continually submit our life and our will to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, we are completely changed. In your discipleship packs, you will eventually get to a stage where you'll read a book called The Struggle. And that book really talks about what it looks like in your daily life as you battle between what your sinful nature wants and what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. You know, just a little aside here to say that being filled with the Spirit is not like hypnotism. It's not emptying your mind for Far Eastern um, religious meditation where you are passive and your mind goes blank. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the faculty and power of the person are fully intact and we choose to submit to the Spirit's work and control of our life, which is amazing if you think about it, isn't it? God doesn't come and force you He gives you the ability to choose to submit to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. So how does the Holy Spirit transform us? And what does a disciple full of the Holy Spirit look like? Do they look different? Um, When you read about Moses, 
when he'd been with God in the Old Testament, his face was different. He had to wear a veil, like, so people were too scared of his face, which I always think he had, like, severe jaundice kind of look, but I don't know. I'll have to find wait to heaven to find out that. Um, so I thought to make this super practical, we'd actually look at a disciple of Jesus and see how baptism in and being filled with the Holy Spirit transformed him, and then we'll do some really painful and honest assessment of ourselves, because I know you all love doing that, really. And we're going to look at where we personally, and as a church, need to be filled with and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Actually, if you say no, I don't really care, because that's what I've got written down, so we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) I'm just being polite. Um, So we're actually going to look at the life of Peter, because I like Peter. I actually really love Peter. I, I recognise some aspects of myself in, um, in him. He was impetuous, impulsive, really gobby, chatty even when it would have been better to be quiet. But he also really loved Jesus. He laid down his life and way of living to follow Jesus. And actually, when you read through the Gospels and through Acts, you, can, you get the sense that people really loved him and enjoyed being with him. So we're going to compare what Peter was like before he was baptised and filled with the Spirit, and then we're going to look at what he was like after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, and we're going to look at what transforming work the Holy Spirit did. So firstly, the biggest transformation we see in Peter is that before he was filled with the Spirit, he was quite weak-willed. He denied Christ three times. He's a disciple that denied Christ three times. And even when he'd seen the risen Lord Jesus, along with all the other disciples, he went and hid in a locked room because they were afraid. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were afraid. So we're going to read in Acts 2 and see what happened to this weak-willed man. Um, So uh, Acts 2, and we'll start in verse 1. It says... When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And then we're going to flip down to verse 14 where it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. And then he goes on to give what is one of the most powerful and brilliant gospel messages that's ever been preached. You know, we can hardly recognise in Acts 5 the Peter who was arrested for proclaiming the gospel and seeing people healed, they were arrested. And the Peter, who was so afraid of what men thought, he was so afraid that he denied Christ three times. This is what Peter says after he's been baptised in the Holy Spirit. He says to the high priests, we must obey God rather than men. You know, what caused this total transformation? Well, it was being clothed with power by being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Do you feel afraid of telling others that you know and love Jesus? Are you worried that people will think you're absolutely mad if you tell them that you really believe that there is a God, that you really believe that Jesus came to earth, that he died, that he rose again, and that he went to heaven? Are you afraid to pray for people when you can see that they are in need? Do you see people and think, I will never tell that person that I go to church? I go to that church and they'll know that I go to that church and it will be so embarrassing. I will never, ever do that. Actually, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself gives us the power, wisdom, strength, boldness, and the resolution to know Christ and to share in his sufferings, to not be ashamed of Christ, but to hold him up high as he deserves. Secondly, we see that Peter, he was just an ordinary lowly lowly fisherman. He was uneducated, and in many ways, he was limited by his standing and his position in life. However, when he surrendered his life to Jesus and the kingdom and was filled with the Spirit, this ordinary man did totally extraordinary things. He changed completely. He saw miracles happen through Jesus' name. He was broken out of prison by an angel twice. I think that's amazing, not just the once, twice. And you can read about it in Acts 5 and 12. He saw people saved. He told people to pick up their mats and walk, and they did. This uneducated man became a man who was able to understand the scriptures, as Jesus had promised in John 4, and he gave sermons, speeches, persuasive arguments, and he had the wisdom alongside the other apostles to establish the early church, which would have been a nightmare. It's hard enough when people have some basic knowledge of Jesus, but can you imagine how difficult that would have been? The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Bible, like Owen was saying last week. In John 3, we are told the Spirit utters the words of God. And in John 14, verse 26, Jesus tells the disciples the Holy Spirit would remind them of Jesus' words. The Holy Spirit is the blessed reminder. The Holy Spirit will never say or teach us anything that is contrary to the Bible, but he will enlighten the eyes of our heart to understand what we read. Like Owen said last week, he will help us to have the mind of Christ as we're promised in 1 Corinthians 2. You don't need to be super educated. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have a degree. You don't need to have gone to Bible college. You don't need to have an English GCSE. Simon doesn't, just so you know, he doesn't. I I asked if I could publicly shame him, and I have. Um, But he doesn't. And actually, Simon has um, dyslexia as well. But you don't need to be this amazing person that can open the book and go, oh, this is in the Greek past imperative tense, so I know what that means. No, to be able to read and understand the Bible, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't need to have watched lots of YouTube videos on how to answer difficult questions about Christianity. It will help you. I'm not saying don't do it. It will help you to do that. But actually, what you need to live an extraordinary life for Jesus, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God himself will give you the answer to the question, he does know who he is, 
so he can answer the question. He knows the logic of his decisions, so he can answer the really difficult questions. You don't have to. It's okay. But we need to remember, do not write yourself off because you think, I'm not educated enough. I find reading really difficult. I can't concentrate for longer than five minutes, actually. It's okay. The Holy Spirit will help you to understand his word. Thirdly, Oswald Saunders, in his book, Cultivation of Christian Character, which is a really good book, and it's short as well, which helps, says that those who are filled with the Spirit have tangible results in relationships. When the Holy Spirit fills us, he exercises control from the centre of our personality. When we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit, we see it working out in how we treat others and how we view ourselves. Prior to being filled with the Spirit, Peter, along with all the other disciples, was really concerned about who would be the greatest. He was proud. He was self-seeking. But, and then even in John 21, if you ever notice this, when you read that Jesus has risen from the dead, he meets with Peter and he says to Peter, do you love me three times? Peter obviously realises that that's because he denied Christ three times. And then Jesus goes on to commission Peter with this extraordinary, saying this extraordinary thing over him, that he would be the rock on which the church would be built. And, and do you know what Peter's concern was, which I find really interesting because it reminds me of me. His concern was that his friend John was walking behind him. So he was concerned about what will happen to John. That was his concern. However, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he displayed amazing humility, grace, kindness, and was concerned for others. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means we grow and display the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, the Apostle Peter served the poor, he prayed for the sick, and eventually church history tells us that he gave his life being crucified, up, uh, crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified the same way round as Christ because he didn't think he was worthy of it. That's what happened to Peter when he was, had been filled and baptised in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transformed Peter into a man who was like Christ, understanding and displaying to those around him that those who love Jesus serve him as humble servants, laying down our lives for the kingdom. In the UK, thankfully, that is mostly metaphorical, but in other parts of the world, that's actually what happens when they choose to live for Jesus. Can I ask you really honestly, and I'm asking myself as well, does your character display the fruits of the Spirit? Are there tangible results of being filled with the Holy Spirit in your relationships? Or are you often moody, angry, proud, self-seeking, bitter, grumpy, ungracious? Do you get drunk lots? Are you high? Are you two-faced? Are you promiscuous, selfish, critical, divisive, rude or volatile? Because actually, if you're honest with yourself and you do that sober assessment of yourself, then you can see where you need to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. 
The fullness of the Spirit does not remove our personality. We don't all become exactly the same as each other. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we realise and discover our true personality. Peter went from proud, and I think it's fair to say you can see a hint of grumpy and arrogant as you read through the Gospels. He went to the rock on which Jesus built his church. The biggest question people are asking themselves at the moment is who am I? Actually, if you know Jesus, you are who Jesus says you are. You are what the word of God tells you you are. You are accepted. You are God's child. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are justified. You are brought with a price. You are valuable. You are forgiven. You are complete in Christ. And you are a citizen of heaven. To name a few of the things that the word of God tells us that we are. We are called to be conformed to his image. The more you are filled with the Spirit, the more you know who you are in Christ. We're called to yield our life to the work of the Holy Spirit, asking him to fill you, to know the Spirit as your friend, your comforter, your corrector, your healer, your reviver, your reminder, and your companion in life. Fourthly, Peter went from being either self-focused or unfocused to focus on the kingdom of God. He discovered his purpose. You know, so often I speak to people and they say, I just don't know what I'm doing. Like, I just don't know what I'm doing. Actually, have you noticed that even after the disciples had seen the risen Lord Jesus, when he met them, they were fishing They'd gone back to what they had done before. They knew something amazing had happened because they saw a dead man walking around and he sort of came in and out of rooms and still ate food. And they knew something amazing had happened. But they had no idea how to implement the kingdom of God. Then after Pentecost, we see this bedraggled, afraid group of 12 men, and there was women in the room as well, advance the kingdom across the world. Peter, when filled with the Spirit, was focused and in love with Jesus and the church, and he lived and died for the kingdom of God. Disciples of Jesus who are filled with the Spirit know their purpose. We know that we are here to advance the kingdom of God through the church. You know, we work it out in the mundane of our everyday lives It doesn't suddenly become that you're just doing these amazing adventures. You know, actually, you just most days do the ordinary, everyday life. John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Are you satisfied in the Holy Spirit? Where do you seek satisfaction? Is it from being filled with the Spirit or is it from the things the world can offer us? You know, we work out where our heart is, by what fruit we want from our lives. So what do you see as a successful life? If you're honest, in a true sober assessment of yourself, what is a successful life to you? As we are filled with the Spirit, actually our concern changes to the kingdom values of 
heaven, the upside-down kingdom, where the first is last and the last is first, where we give away what we have to serve other people, where we stop being concerned about wealth and comfort and we become concerned about advancing the kingdom of heaven. Those unseen acts of kindness, service of others, the times when you give up sleep to pray, the times when you are devoted to the word of God, where understanding the scriptures becomes the main drive in your life, is to understand this amazing written word of God, instead of watching YouTube, which is boring. The aim of our marriages becomes to glorify God, Not that this marriage must give me what I want. No, the aim of our marriage is to glorify God. If you are in the privilege of a Christian marriage, where both of you are believers, then your aim together is to glorify God. If you're in a position where you're the only person saved in your marriage, the aim stays the same, it's to glorify God in your life, in the outworking of that. The aim of our parenting is not to raise children who have to have a degree, That's not the aim of our parenting. If your kids can do that, that is fantastic. We should push them to do as well as they can with what God has given them, to whom much is given, much is expected. Yes. But actually, the aim of our parenting is to glorify God ourselves so they see it and they can copy it, but also that our children grow up and glorify God, however that looks for them in their everyday life. We bring the kingdom to our schools, to our homes, to our workplaces, to our gym classes, to our running groups, to our coffee mornings, to our meals out. You know, do people say about you, there is something a bit different about you? I had one person at work who said to me, something a bit different about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something really, really different. And I said, oh, I think I know what it is. And she said, oh, you're going to tell me it's God, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. She said, oh, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I didn't really want to say it. I was like, yeah, lovely. People should see something different in you. They should when we're full of the Holy Spirit. God himself living inside of us. We should be different, shouldn't we? We shouldn't have a life that is exactly the same as our next door neighbour. Our neighbours should think we're a bit weird. It's okay. We're not supposed to be glorifying ourselves. We're not supposed to be saying, I have lived a successful life. I have a lotus in my drive. If you do, well done to you. But if you don't, don't, you definitely can't afford one. That's not successful. Successful is, is that when you go to be with Jesus, and he says to you, what did you do with your life? And all those things have gone, they don't count for anything. You can say, actually, I served you with my whole life. And that is in the everyday. Whatever job you do, it's in the everyday. You don't have to be a church leader to glorify God. Um, I, I don't work for the church, I'm a nurse. So in my everyday life, I try and glorify God. Some days I do much better than others. Other days I'm real grumpy. Nurse, I'm working on it. Oswald Saunders says this. He says, when the church and its missionaries, that's us, concede to the Holy Spirit the supreme place in their planning and activities, we can expect to see spectacular advance on the mission fields of the world. And that's what we want here, isn't it? We want to see spectacular advance of the kingdom in Hausham and beyond. 
And so that means that actually, church, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot ignore the work of the Spirit. We need to submit our will and our way to what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Don't fight the Holy Spirit. Work with the Holy Spirit. Be willing to submit your pride to the fact that the God who made you and loved you knows what he's doing with your life and he has a good plan for you. He loves you. He's your heavenly father. Can I ask the band to come up? Um, And if you're able to, if you can stand, that would be great. You know, I really feel there's some people here who don't know Jesus, but you know as I'm talking and as you've been coming to church, um, you know that actually Jesus is calling you to give your life to him, to choose to surrender to him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The only way to God the Father is through Jesus and Jesus alone. Not Jesus and a little bit of other religions, not Jesus and a bit of my own way. It's through Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, and actually through our choice to completely surrender our lives to Jesus, to lay down our will and our way and submit to the will and way of Jesus. If that's you, I'd love you to come and grab me afterwards or Simon, and we'd love to pray with you. But for those of us here who are disciples of Jesus, I hope from what I've said you've seen that the Bible is so clear that being filled with the Holy Spirit is absolutely crucial to being transformed to have the mind of Christ. We've looked really quickly at how disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and how Peter was so transformed by being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, do you need more joy? Do you need more patience? Do you need more love? Do you need more kindness? Do you need more energy? Do you need more faithfulness? Do you need boldness and power? Do you need wisdom? Do you want to see more miracles and healings? Do you need your marriage to actually work and to glorify Jesus? Do you need help with your parenting? And if you're a parent here who's saying, no, you're lying, you do. (laughs) I can say that confidently, being a parent. We do need... God, all the time. You know, God gives us the spirit without measure. All of the things you know you need come with the fullness of the spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, and we are promised that when we ask, we are filled with the spirit. So shall we pray? Do you want to put your hands out in front of you? If you don't know Jesus, please feel free to put your hands out in front of you as well. The Holy Spirit, God himself, wants to meet with you this morning. Lord Jesus, we know that when you came here on earth, you commanded us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill each one of us. Lord, I pray for people that have never been baptised in the Holy Spirit. Would you fill them to overflowing with the Holy Spirit? Would you speak to them and commission them about what you have for them in their life? Lord Jesus, would we be people who are different that we're different because we're full of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I pray for people who are crying out to you, who know they need more joy, they need more peace, they need healing. Lord Jesus, fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Would we be people who every day look to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who have the humility to recognise we cannot live a victorious Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your name. Amen.